going to ask Peter Bowe to come uh, and join us at the front. I'm going to ask Andrew Scipione to join us at the front and Claire. And Peter is a dynamic entrepreneur. He is part of the Hillsong Christian Business Leaders Network and he also is a good friend of World Visions and he was recently in the Middle East. I had the privilege of going with uh, World Vision about a year ago uh, to Israel-Palestine. Um, and uh, I think it was an amazing time because um, often when you're confronted there, you're asked a question, which is, are you pro-Israel or are you pro-Palestine? And uh, I needed to formulate a response to that um, with what I saw. And with my reflections, it was, I'm pro-people. Um, because Jesus is pro-people, he's pro-humanity, he's pro-love. Um, and I would encourage, I think, you know, it's, as I prepared for this, I had to reflect on my time there. And it was an amazing experience, but uh, like Claire shared, when you're opposite someone and you're holding their hands, what does that mean? So when you hear a story of what's going on and the personal relationships and the trials and tribulations that you're going, you hear it here and you process it and you try and capture it in the heart because out of the overflow of the heart that the mouth speaks. But for me, when I was there and I could sit opposite a refugee uh, and hear their story, I'm sorry, and think that their hopes and their dreams, what they were trying to achieve, was not far different to mine. But to be confronted with a worldly situation and, uh, you know, have friends and family pass, sorry, Look, I cried during a good infomercial, so this is not a big deal. Um, but I think as entrepreneurs, right, we want to run our business as well. And, and you'll hear a thing that says we're looking for hungry, humble, smart. And that's what we want. But we know in our teams, not everyone is hungry, humble, smart. And I think it would be extremely misguided and misplaced to think there are not people in the NGO world that are not hungry, humble, smart. You know, the people that took me and showed me their programs, they knew the community, they were well-educated, double degrees. I'm Asian, I've been doing tutoring since I was four. <laughs> you know, they made me look like a, you know, uh, certainly put my place. But I think that's something that I found uh, so personally um, encouraging. And I think when you go there and you can connect with humanity, it strips away title. It strips away self-importance. And it says, what are we here to do? And you know what? The stories, hopes and dreams that they have are not much different to ours. They're in a different situation. I don't see challenge. I see great, great, great opportunity. We have a tremendous opportunity to be a collective force for good. We are impacting the world today. Jesus is the hope of the world. And uh, organisations, churches, uh, we are the hands and feet here. Great opportunity not to just impact the globe, but we know is will reverberate through the generations. So, yeah, thank you. And I peaked too early, I cried early instead of later. But. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Peter, for sharing uh, such uh, truths from your heart and your own experience. So, Andrew, um, thank you for joining us today. We're very honoured with your presence, as we are with everybody. And. Uh, you have lived firsthand the challenge of, of bridging as a, as a passionate Christian, engaging with uh, people who have different faiths. Um, so could you reflect on what you think the impact is of, 
of Christians getting alongside Muslims and saying faith is important. And you've seen it in Australia. Um, you saw it in the film. Could you give us a few responses to how you responded to seeing that film? <coughs> Yeah, thank you, Wendy. Um, look, to see this film today, let me start by saying I don't sit before you today with any experience in dealing with offshore-type arrangements or engagements, as I've witnessed here. But we do have to engage, or we did have to engage when I was a police officer, because I'm recently retired, with communities. And the communities that, um, to us, were different. And I grabbed this and brought it up with me because when I was reading the paper that's on your table in front of you, I noticed here what World Vision was seeking to do. Because in every engagement that we had as an organisation, it was on the basis of saying, well, what's your motive? Why are you doing this? When I read something like World Vision seeks to improve the well-being of children and their communities, well, it was no different for us. We just happened to be doing it onshore as opposed to doing it offshore. And I guess we did engage in this space because you've seen some terrible events across the planet and they roll out every other night, it seems, just of late, whether it's in London, whether it's in Europe, um, or somewhere else, where you need to engage. If, if police agencies, if government agencies, alongside uh, non-government organisations, don't engage communities, then there is potential trouble coming at you very quickly. In our setting, um, we were particularly looking uh, in some of the early days in this space to, talk, to stop young men predominantly going offshore to fight. So we had to engage. It's no use me standing up there as the commissioner at the time <coughs> saying, don't do it, it's not good for your health. Notwithstanding that most of them didn't come back. They were killed on the battlefields in Iraq or Syria. But we realised there was a message, and the message had to be got out there. So we actually started to engage the women in Muslim communities, because when we talked to them, just like Peter said, they had the same desires. We didn't want them off the offshore fighting. Neither did their mothers or their fathers, because they knew the stark reality that those kids weren't coming back. And some of those kids, when you say kids, were a little bit older than you, know, than you might think a kid is, but some of them literally were kids, 15-year-olds, mm. wanting to go out and be trained and martyr themselves. Mm. So we realised we had to empower communities so that they could influence their children as opposed to try and seek to do it all ourselves. And that was a really interesting engagement. Mm. And it's one we, 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 in fact, saw it as so important we established what we called a, a community contact unit. That was their whole brief. Engage communities, build relationship, establish trust, work on that trust, empower those that had the responsibility, and then work with them to make sure that, that we were doing our part and, and staying true to our word, and giving them the confidence to come back to us, to engage us. When we said we were going to do something, we had to do it, and we had to go back and tell them what we had done. And that built enormous credit, that emotional credit that um, that sort of built for us was fantastic. Because we didn't always get it right, but we had so much of an understanding that when a withdrawal needed to be made, we had a bank balance that they could draw from them, and it didn't destroy the relationship. Mm. So your journey, in a sense, is not that different mm. to our journey 
as an organisation. Um, we were just dealing with it, as I say, um, on our shores. But um, you know, the, the notion of um, enabling people to do what's got to be done is a really powerful one, and it's one that um, I think works. We got to the point where we said if we were happy with what was occurring around us as a result of what we were doing, we should just let it keep going. But none of us were happy. We said things needed to get better, and we could only uh, approve, sorry, improve the outcome if we were to change our strategy, so we did. And we had to do that. Um, and uh, from you know, our perspective, we've seen far fewer kids go offshore. And I think it's probably because families have turned them around before we've had to engage. Yeah, that's, that's, right. that's great. That's right. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks for your reflections. Um, so, Claire, <coughs> you're leading an organisation in Australia that is proudly Christian, and yet we're, we're working in, uh, in communities that are not Christian. And as you said, there, there there can be tensions where people say, well, how could a Christian do that? Do you want to just reflect on um, anything that you've seen in the field recently where you, you really understand the unique aspect that World Vision brings to international development? Because um, I'm new, this hasn't happened to me directly, uh, but I've heard it from so many people in World Vision who work in the field. Uh, in that context that you saw just there, we get asked, why are you doing this? They don't understand why we would come and do that kind of work. And that's where the conversation happens around what's because of Jesus' call to us. And many of those communities will look at us and go, wow, that's bizarre. You know, it takes them a while to kind of process and understand. And so I think uh, that that's the kind of, uh, nexus of where the faith steps into showing the love of God and uh, you can't walk out and as you heard from Bob Pierce's story bring someone to Christ and then not feed them you know um, Jesus says when you when you did this for the least of these when you fed me when you sheltered me you know um, that's where the love of Christ gets demonstrated so that's my observation and learning Great, right. and um, I'll, I'll let Peter have the final word, if you the share mic back to Pete. Um, entrepreneurs are problem solvers. Um, you are engaged with World Vision. Just tell us a little bit about some of the, the ways that, that you have engaged and, and why it's important to, to you as an entrepreneur to find some time. Some entrepreneurs are so busy building their businesses, they think that I don't have time for this. So how do you find time and why do you make it an priority for you to, to work and engage with World Vision? Sure. I might just answer that in two places. I guess the first one from a scriptural context, I was uh, looking at my going through a quiet time and uh, it, it was referring to blindness. And in this passage, when it talked about the word blindness, it was referring to short-sightedness. Um, and so there's questions around longevity in, in impact. Um, and I guess for me, I'm 84, I look a lot younger, I'm Asian. <laughs> But the older I get, the, 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 the more the drive for legacy becomes important and it can't be about you. And the faster that you give it away, the irony is the quicker it comes back to you. Um, so if, I think in terms of partnering with World Vision I, and why I see opportunity, uh, a business colleague of mine said, the opportunity of a lifetime passes by you every single day. And that could be in a little conversation or, or something else. Um, just in the row back there, I see Josh Nichols, who uh, is a partner of World Vision, and, and my business partners and I 
met up with him and saw his story of how he sponsored 150 kids in a particular region. And that for us was an opportunity of a lifetime. And so what we've done in our business is we've signed a letter of intent with World Vision to do the same. We started off with 40 kids. But we run a for-profit technology business. And how do we get the message to our team that life and happiness is not just about you? And what's brilliant in our small circumstance is that um, our employee of the year, uh, TopCav, company's called Cavalry, it's a rip-off of Top Gun. Um, but, you know, we fly them over to the project in Sri Lanka, they see the project, we give them the leave, the flights, accommodation, all ground on ground expenses. But we tell them when they come back, nothing's for free. You've got to come back and share with the team what it meant to you. Now, they're debrief questions. I just went to Dr. Google and I said, Christian, debrief questions. <laughs> got a list of questions and uh, that's their debrief of which they've got to go through and present to the rest of the team. So I think that's why we do it. We see the longevity of impact. Uh, like in any maturing industry, there's fewer and larger players. I, with my own eyes, saw World Vision partner up with UN, UNHCR. I had the privilege of walking through a refugee camp in the Jordan and seeing how the coordination happens at a top level. I think it would be very vain, arrogant and self-promoting to think that we could do that by ourselves any better. And that notion that every resource we need comes through a relationship, but on the flip side, every resource we need to pass out must go through relationship. We're not built to do it in isolation. So um, I think that's the personal conviction. I hope that helps. Thank you.